Hi, I'm Ben. I suffer from a condition called writer's block. It strikes when I'm at work. That's why I choose Canva Magic Write. It works fast, generating texts in seconds, thanks to AI. Common side effects include increased productivity, compliments from coworkers, feelings of satisfaction. Now I can say bye-bye to writer's block. Ask your boss if Canva Magic Write is right for you at canva.com, designed for work. Canva! Cheers to a great day and this ice-cold Corona. You know what would make this day even better? My grandma's carne asada. Or your grandma here with us, making carne asada. She does love a cold Corona. Throw in some dancing. Oh, we can watch the game. I'll drink to that. So a backyard concert with football, food, dancing, and Corona? And your grandma. Or we could keep it simple. Simple is good. Want a Corona? Thanks. Salud to the perfect day. Corona, la vida más fina. Get your Corona at ordercorona.com. Relax responsibly. Corona extra beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. This isn't your average business podcast, and he's not your average host. This is I Will Make You a Millionaire, another episode helping someone reach their goal of making millions. So James uh, Quandell, what's the, the latest and greatest? Where are we now on all the different things you've been, that we've discussed, you you starting and, and expanding and so on? Well, I sort of have four projects I'm working on right now simultaneously. And each of them are, I'm very excited about. And where we last left off, our last talk was about my Amazon agency and the potential of turning that into a bigger business rather than just being me and just being kind of a small service business where I can handle like four or five clients kind of growing that. Right. And so, so, and sorry to interrupt, but just to summarize, like you have a skill set. we've been going down several directions. You have a skill set that you've already been monetizing, which is you help people set up their Amazon store, like mom and pop shops, not, not like Abercrombie and Fitch or anything or some huge company. I don't know why I picked the preppiest clothing line, but, uh, it's funny. I actually worked there after high school. (laughs) Oh, I, I picked up on some psychic way. This is the, this is the site. I will make you a psychic podcast. Yeah. Um, but you, you, so you, you set up like mom and pop shops on Amazon stores and I could tell you like, Oh, what's so hard about that? One time Jay, me and Robin, were trying to set up our own Amazon store selling James Altucher show merchandise. And for the life of us, we couldn't do it. Like it, Amazon does not make it easy. So when something is not easy, you, you think, here's how to think of it in a business way. You don't start off thinking, well, I'm going to write software to make this easy. What you do first is you just do it. And then you, and then you help, you set up an agency style business, which you manually help clients set up their, their little stores as an Amazon seller. And by doing that and doing that a bunch of times, you get to see what parts can be automated. Ideally, it's one button and they upload some photos and some prices and they set up an Amazon store. And perhaps the next step for scalability for, for James or and James, I'm talking to you is, is setting up such a software package. But right now, the, the first thing is, the first thing is helping clients one by one set up their Amazon store, charging for that, charging a decent price for that so you could make a living. And then scaling that on an agency level means you get recurring, you you know, like you charge a recurring maintenance fee to each client. You hire more people to project manage, setting up larger and larger Amazon stores. You have, you do, you focus primarily more on sales, getting new clients as you hire people to actually project manage, setting them up on, on the stores. And that's an agency style. Agencies don't sell for as much money, but the goal here is to make you a million dollars you could sell an agency like that to any ad agency at some point when you have sufficient mass, like let's say a dozen clients with recurring revenues, you could sell that for a few million dollars. And that's one plan to get to a million. And then the next step is you always think in terms of scalability, how can you go more meta? Well, then you take the next step is taking some of the things that you do over and over again, that could be automated and you, you hire someone to write software to automate that. And that is a business that can be sold for a hundred million dollars, much greater amounts and, and on and on. But so, so the first step was 
you weren't that interested in the Amazon seller business really, but it is a quick path to a million while we focus on some of the other things like the writing and spiritual thought and Christian thought and other stuff that we spoke about. But so, and, and also again, part of the purposes of how I approach things is you want to have many possible experiments that you're doing and you see which one takes off. That's the ones you double down on. So we have to try many things to find the one thing that will make you the, the fastest million. Yeah. And so that's one of the four things I'm kind of working on. And with the way it's set up right now, all my clients are recurring uh, clients because they pay me on a monthly basis for the ongoing management and maintenance of their account. So when they have new products, I launch those for them. I do testing of the titles and the descriptions and the pictures to increase their conversion rate. I manage the advertising on the platform. So it is an ongoing thing. So when I work with someone, I don't make them make a commitment to a certain number of months of service because I sort of believe if I'm doing a good job, then they'll keep me. And if I'm not, they should fire me. And uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, so just in terms of valuation, uh, when a company see the problem with an ad agency or any kind of a service provider, a service agency, like what you have, and, and you don't quite have it yet right now. It's a lifestyle business because it's mostly just you. Um, it becomes an agency when it's multiple people and more clients than you personally can handle. But, uh, uh, the problem with any sort of service or agency kind of business is that the saying is all of your assets walk out the door at the end of the evening, because if all your people are gone, you can't, you have no business as opposed to software, which people just download. You don't even have to be involved with the download process or whatever. Like that's why companies like salesforce.com, which is software as the one of the first software as a service businesses trade for like, you know, a thousand times earnings or whatever it trades for. So, uh, uh, so the reason for a contract is that then the buyer knows that even if you get hit by a bus, they still have a contract with these clients, unless the contract has a, we can break the contract if James gets hit by a bus. <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, that said, your business has a heavy moat, meaning it's not like they're going to switch providers because you've been, you're neck deep in all their products and, and how their seller store works and, and so on. So unless you do a really crappy job, they're not going to switch clients. So maybe that gets rid of the need for a contract in this case, because the moat is so heavy. Yeah. And uh, you know, I've, I've said before on, when we talk that maybe I'm not that interested, but I've realized the reason I wasn't that interested, it wasn't the Amazon account management or the ability to to work with these businesses, it was me having my hands doing every single detail myself when my background is leadership and leading teams. I mean, from age, uh, you know, since I graduated high school, I've led teams of 100 people or more, and I'm not used to being the one that is doing every single thing. Yeah, no, I, when I ran, I ran a, an agency in the nineties, making websites, almost a, equivalent kind of business. I, you know, setting up stores on the internet, just e-commerce wasn't a thing then, but, uh, I hated doing everything. Like it got boring to me. And so that's when I sold the business for you. The challenge is how can you delegate in many cases you could delegate like to, to the Philippines or India, some you know, a place where labor is a little cheaper. And I think you could effectively delegate, uh, you know, as you get more clients and we want to get to that point as quickly as possible. So you could focus on just growth rather than actually like uploading another photo to their seller catalog, seller's page, whatever. So how's that going? Where, where are we at with that? Just growing the agency. I uh, just got a new client last week and basically so my wife is now at home working with me on th these businesses. So oh, good. it's helping a lot and it's giving me a lot more uh, motivation than just kind of being here in my closet by myself, like doing this all day. Like, I And um, <laughs> how, how, how are you guys getting along while you work together? Very well. That's a good sign because relationships can end when they become partners in a business. I, I've seen it many, many times. Family ends, relationships end. So relationship first business second is always the rule but yeah. that's good we um we'd take trips and we'd be away for a week and i would still be working but she wouldn't be and uh we would come up with all these ideas and we'd make idea lists and plans and then we'd come home and then she'd go back to work and it was like all right well it's just me here to execute all of this but now like it's every day we're becoming idea machines it's insane we're just are you writing idea 10 ideas a day down oh Would yeah you Excellent. Or more than that, like Good. on so many different things. And it's like the other day, I'm like, oh, how could, how, what are 10 ideas we could get the 
the, the James Altership mentors more press and like I'm I'm like literally making ideas on everything. And what's hilarious is I have like my podcast and I'll talk to a guest and they'll be telling me about like a business or something. And I'm like, bam, 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 bam. Here's all these things. Yeah. <laughs> like, Hold well, on. That, I need to write this down. <laughs> that That's the best when, when you could do that. So, so, okay. How many clients do you have all, all together? So I have five clients, five clients and they're paying recurring fees. What are you doing to get more and to delegate? So you delegate, you got your wife to do some of the work while you do sales. How are you going to get more customers? You need, you need to get a good, like, what would you say your annual revenues are right now? So annual revenue is about 150 to 200,000. That's good. So I think if you were to basically multiply that by somewhere between four and eight, you have a sellable business, particularly if we start throwing in some software at some point and, and automating some of your processes. So uh, right now, five clients gets you, let's say, quarter of a million. So you need like 20 clients for that or, or, or some bigger clients, but let's say 15 to 20 clients for that first million. And what do you think? What, do you, what are some ideas to get you there? Well, I one for one, this has all been word of mouth, really. And it's been friends referring their friends to me, and then I do a good job, and then they have a friend in the business also, and they make a referral. I don't have a website for this business. It's just like, if you go to my website, quandall.com slash services, it's like a little mention of some of the work that I do, but it's not a highlight. I don't have value props written out or how I'm different or how I'm better. I'm not doing any of that right now. So I would think that would be one thing. Now that's sort of, I, I like, there's a conference coming up next month in Pennsylvania and it's one of the largest natural uh, products expos in the world. It's called natural uh, East and there's hundreds of of brands in this space that I'm an expert there. If I was to just fly there, go to the expo, walk around and just meet people, I could probably leave with five clients then. Because that's my strength is face-to-face, -face, getting to know people, seeing a product I'm really excited about that's really cool and different, and then going, wow, I want to be a part of that. Let me help you and, and, and go from there. Yeah, so I think you should go to that conference. My wife thinks so too. <laughs> Let, let's do it. You got to... I, I'm talking about between now and hopefully less than 12 months from now, you could sell this business for more than a million dollars. So the way to do it is your sales, your wife is getting it done, uh, get, getting the, the stores done, whether she does it herself or whether she figures out outsourcing, but you should always start off, you know, your, your first move of the day is you're the salesperson and you're building the business and she's executing on the business. And my favorite part, that is my favorite part. I, as you might be tell from when we talk, I just love that the relationship part and finding out what people need and how I can help them. And for me, it's service. It's, it's less about the money. It's like, I just like to help someone that's doing something that's really cool that I believe in. So all the brands I work with are brands that I believe in and they're doing something different. They've got a great mission. They're helping people or they're helping the planet or they're making really great products. And so, yeah, you're right. So do you think like the website and all that's just a distraction? Like, do I, even, I mean, clearly I haven't needed it to get the, the people. No, I, I think, now. I think you should do a real professional looking website, but just, but just look at one of your competitors' websites and do something similar. Yeah. Like who's a, who's a big Amazon? Like if I say I need, you know, uh, how do I set up my, I'm Googling, how do I set up my Amazon seller store? Well, there's, and, there's a, there's a company called sunken stone that was one of the inks, uh, fastest growing companies. And they're basically they're They do a similar model to me, but they're actually buying the products wholesale and reselling them for you. And then they have an exclusive reseller agreement with, um, the client to sell it on Amazon. And, um, they just did a fundraising round from, for investments and, and I, they have, they have over a hundred clients. So pretty big company. Yeah. So take a look at their website and do something similar and don't waste too much time on it. Just use WordPress and, you know, make sure all the relevant information is right at the top. So nobody has to scroll. And basically you want your services. Uh, you want to list your services. You want to say who you are and you want testimonials and you want to explain why it's important right now 
set up your cellular store. Like, right, you know, 70, 70% of people, I think this is true. I read this somewhere. 70% of people would rather buy on the Amazon seller store than the seller's actual website because they trust Amazon. So it's important to move your website over to Amazon. That's your message. Yeah, you're right. Exactly. And then like, you'll just naming, make more money if you have an Amazon seller store. Yeah. And then with, with, if the idea potentially of, of, of slicing this off and selling the business in the future, um, I, I might end up just loving managing it and keep, keep wanting to keep doing it. But like, would you like, no, everything I have right now is just like my name, my personal name. What would you yeah, ma ma name the company? Call it uh, Jamazon or whatever. No, that name's taken. Um, it but it doesn't really. I mean, it doesn't have to be my personal name. It could be no, something no. else. No, call it whatever you want. And then, uh, and then, yeah. So when's that co uh, convention? It's next month. Next month. Book the tickets. Get a nice hotel. Where is it? It's in Pennsylvania. I think it's in Philadelphia. Get a nice hotel uh, and enjoy it. Or no, I guess stay at the hotel of the conference. And maybe you could speak. Is there any chance you could speak at the conference? Well, I emailed them and no response, but I had a, a, a pitch. I was like, well, I'll teach people how like the, 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 the opportunities, like the, the things that are making people not buy from them, like their products basically. And, um, they, they're already booked up for speakers for this conference, but they do this twice a year. So next year, They'll do be doing it on the West Coast, and they're basically accepting applications now for speaking opportunities. But okay, all right. Well, and then find other conferences, and maybe you could speak. And now to speak, yeah, you, you got to say something like, you know, one of one of my clients went from zero to millions in sales on Amazon. Um, I'll show people how to do it, and you know, you got to kind of give testimonials. So you know, you could get some good, uh, 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 you know, speaking pitches together. Yeah, so one of my clients, I launched them with $0 in 2018 on Amazon. And now they're doing over a quarter of a million per month on Amazon. Wow, quarter of a million per month. Per month. Per month. So... And this is this is not a big household name brand. So um, they... it I'm not fully to credit for that, but I, I, I... They do a lot of... They work very hard and they have a great product and a great team... And I'm but, sure, yeah, that's just it. You don't have to have credit for it, but you could be able, if you can explain why, how they did it, then you oh, yeah. should be speaking at a conference about I it. I was the only person that touched that Amazon account the entire time. Yeah, so, so, so okay. So that's set up and, and ready to rock and roll and, and, and boom. So uh, what's next? So with that or the other three things I'm working on? Well, the other three things. Okay, well, I'll tell you two of the, I'll tell you one of the smaller ones and then I'll tell you the other two because another one's almost as big as that. It's a whole nother agency. And so I'll tell you that one last. But um, my friend and I, Tim, are working on a retreat for CEOs and their successor because he's an executive coach in the financial services industry. And a few of his clients are CEOs of private companies who are getting older and are working on their succession plan where their daughter or their son will be taking over the business and there's tension in that process and they need a lot of help to have the the son or daughter feel ready and for the CEO to feel like they're ready. And so we're setting up a retreat the spring spring of next year, uh, like a three-night luxury retreat and we're going to have 12 people, 6 and 6 and we're going to like set up ways for the kids to prove that they're ready or learn that they're not ready we're going to bring in experts to teach like different pieces of it oh that's and, great like, communication and, you know, also like uh in in terms of like you know generational wealth there's a lot of issues on how do you communicate to your children how much wealth they have and and what it means and how what are different strategies for inheritance things like that will you will you be doing stuff like that yeah. And actually a lot of, so we have some great insights because he's already coaching 20 CEOs and he started this already where he's teaching three of the kids right now, in addition to their parents. And so he's learning the language that they use. For example, one of the CEO's kids said, guys, like we've basically been on third base our entire life. Like we didn't have to start at first base. 
we were at third base when we were born. And so we don't really understand what it was like to build this company from nothing like our parents did and right. like work in every department. So, so by the way, they were not born in third on third base. They weren't even in the minor leagues when they were born. And I'm, and the reason why is take someone like me, no one has ever paid for a single thing for me in my entire life. And I had very little advice about business. I wish I'd had basically, for instance, a podcast like this that I could listen to or go on or whatever, but I had to learn through making mistakes and just like you, just like a lot of people listening to this. And that is how you get to third base. Just because you have a big checking account doesn't put you on third base in business. It just puts you on third base in terms of being able to buy something expensive. Yeah. And if, if, if history has shown us anything, uh, these fortunes can be eroded within one generation or two if it's not respected in the right way. Yeah. The, the saying is shirt sleeves are shirt sleeves in three generations. And that's true. Can you think of anybody in the, in the Forbes 100, you know, that there are people who inherited money in the Forbes 100, but it's getting fewer and fewer, like of the ultra rich, how many inherited their money? Like the Walton daughters inherited money but I'm having a hard time thinking of others that are in the Forbes 100, like the richest hundred people in the country or the world uh, more of the country is, is more interesting. Uh, there's not a lot that inherited their money. And even families like the Vanderbilts um, there's the Vanderbilt uh, mansion in Asheville, North Carolina, and they had a, a plan and they, they basically chose one son and said, he's going to get all the money. And because he seems to be the most, uh, protective and the business savvy of how to grow it and maintain it. And then, uh, you know, uh, I mean, these families are huge. They get, I mean, there's that issue, but, um, I really think that the, there could be a lot of good here because for one, if, if these kids aren't the right fit, that needs to be found out and then someone else needs to be picked. Or if they are the right fit and the parent just doesn't believe in them, then there needs to be an opportunity for them to prove themselves. And that's really hard to do um, in just a normal environment. They always say like, well, what makes a, a child ready to run their parents' business? I think that one, they have to, to go through some type of a, a problem that's difficult that they have to solve because that's where leaders are made. Leaders are made in the fire. They're not made in good times. So they have to be able to go through something and it could be, it could be manufactured event of some kind um, but like, that's where these entrepreneurs that started these business really, uh, became such strong leaders was when they were thinking like, am I going to sell the business or am I going to keep it? Like, how am I going to feed my kids? Like, am I going to go back and get a regular job or should we keep this business? Like that's where they learned their skills. And if they've done a really good job leading the company, then those kids haven't ever seen those hard times in the business of what that might look like. Right. So what, what's, what are the steps? Like, how do you train these kids to be ready? Well, you can make them climb a ridiculously uh, difficult mountain and wear them out and then make them have to come up with decisions and plans and ideas and like stress their bodies in, in, in manufactured ways and like and, and, and see who stands up and, and who leads. You know, when, in, if you look at big companies like, let's say, General Electric or, you know, I used to work for HBO, which was part of Time Warner, the a typical strategy for high level executives is you move them around to many divisions. So somebody works like at HBO, like the main guy, maybe will work at Warner Music for a while. He'll work as a, a COO of Time Magazine. Then he'll be the CFO of you know uh, Warner Movies. And then he'll be the CFO of HBO and then CEO of HBO. And then finally CEO of Time Warner. So maybe that's another thing is like you move them around to different divisions, different jobs and so on. Yeah, just teaching communication between the generations on like a lot, like basically so this this CEO is getting ready to retire they want to hand the keys over there's something that's preventing them from doing it have they done the work to figure out what it is that's preventing them from doing that or what it is that their kids need like have they documented that like hey i don't want to give you the keys to the business until you show that you can do financial statements they all probably can do that but that's a bad example but basically like giving them the time and the space to brainstorm and think about this legacy while they're not in the day-to-day -day running of their business. Yeah. So, uh, 
All right, so you're setting up a retreat. How many families do you think are coming? The plan is to have it be 12 people total. So it's all under one roof and uh, very um, kind of small. I'm bringing a private chef and have great food. Is it a nice location? Obviously, these people are used to nice locations. It's going to be an s- unbelievable location. Yeah. How much is the location going to cost? Uh, probably, it's not as expensive as you would think because it's in the middle of the nowhere. It's like $4,000 a night, but... Um, you, re- it's in the middle of nowhere in I- Idaho, but it has a private landing strip there. So the idea would be to, most of these folks are from the twin cities. And so charter some, some planes to fly them in there. And so make it easy. That'll cost about $20,000 a plane. Yeah, that's okay. And how much are you charging them for, to come to this retreat? Uh, so we're kind of between 7,500 and $10,000 a person. Wait, how and, are you going to make money if there's 12, oh, 12 families, how many people all together? 12 people total. Oh, that's only like $120,000. And if you're charging, if the planes are going to cost you 20000 each, how are you going to make money? <laughs> you think it's going to be 20000 each? I've never rented a plane. I haven't done that part yet. Yeah, renting a plane is going to be about um, two, 3000 bucks an hour. And it's like, a, let's say it's a two or three hour flight you know, plus they have to fuel, plus pay the, for the, you know, other things like the pilot and stuff like that. It's going to cost you, you know, go round trip between 10 and $20,000. Yeah. So we weren't thinking there'd be a lot of margin in this, um, left maybe 10, 15,000, but the idea being create a learn a lot one that we could then, um, help for coaching people one-on-one in other places. And then, I mean, being able to help these, these 12 people really, grow and 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 kind of and keep figuring it out how to do it okay and then so hopefully you get uh ongoing revenues where you give maybe you could kind of uh coach them after the initial retreat is that an idea in this yeah actually my friend who who's working with this is is there's people that he's coaching that would would more than likely sign up actually he talked to one of them and after we came up with the idea and we started brainstorming over a few weeks and he said is this something you'd be interested. He said, absolutely. 100%. And, and your friend is going to involve you in the coaching. It's not just him. And you guys trust each other. We trust each other for sure. 100%. So, but he'll, he'll let you in on the coaching. I don't know. I'm not sure. All right. So I think you gotta, I think you gotta figure this thing out. So, cause obviously this is going to be a lot of work and a lot of time to, to set this up and do it. And you kind of can't go in there thinking you're going to have just a 10% margin. Cause that means if one thing goes wrong, you're going to have a negative margin and lose money. Let's True. see how much does it, let's just Google. How much does it cost to, to how much does a private plane cost per hour? And it's gotta be a nice plane. It's gotta at least be like, you know, a 12 seater or something like that. Uh, yeah. Between 1300 and $3,000. Okay, no, that's a small one. So for a mid-sized jet, which is what you're going to want, which is about nine passengers, it's four to eight thousand dollars per flying hour, and you're you're doing round trip, so it's at least twenty thousand bucks, maybe more. Uh, and you got to really think about how you're going to do. I only bring up the jets because that sounds like the most expensive part of what you described to me. And you know, this is a valuable service that you're offering. Uh, I would just think I would just think this one through and make sure your margins are are baked in, you know, because they're they're inevitably something's going to come up that's going to reduce a margin, and make sure you're involved in the ongoing coaching. Yeah, I think that's 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 great because it's a valuable service. Like I think a billionaire needs this service. Now the problem you have is the billionaires always think they know best, but uh, this is a valuable service that you're offering. Yeah. You're talking about like passing on a legacy, helping you're advising people how to create a legacy basically. Yeah. And creating the environment for them to have these deep conversations without the distractions of everyday life that, you know, it's checking out for three days from the office. Right. But really the, um, I mean, one way to view this, the the retreat could be a lost leader to ongoing coaching where you charge, you know, 200,000 a year per client, something like that. But Make sure there's some part in this where there's a big number and you're attached to that big number. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So this could be like the retreat could be a loss leader or the retreat should be, you know, 200,000 to attend. And I'm not saying you should scrap all your plans here, 
but I would just really think about it like where the mar the great the idea is great. When you charge only ten thousand dollars to 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 teach wealthy people how to transfer their wealth, it sounds to me like the wealthy people negotiated with you and won because that's what they're good at. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Yeah. You're right. So uh, or the other, or they won't value your service that much if you're only charging ten thousand dollars. They're but, talking about like two hundred million dollar businesses, maybe. Like, well, what's the average net worth of the of the owner? Well, these these businesses are like twenty million dollars a year in revenue, probably or more. Yeah, so that could be you know a hundred. These people, if they own one hundred percent of their business, they could be worth like a hundred million, maybe. And if if the co if we charged more, that would actually allow me to even make it more special of an event because then I could bring in more people to help right like instead of charging ten thousand for 12 people let's say i'm just hype making up numbers i don't know the answer let's say you charge a hundred thousand and only three people come well now your expenses are lower and your revenues are higher and the work is easier and you can yeah. actually provide a better quality product if, if only three people go paying a hundred thousand each then 12 people go paying 7500 each you're gonna stress man that is stressful when you're when you're trying to negotiate you know all the fees you're trying to run everything a conference any kind of retreat no matter how many people are there is hard and you got to get bang for your buck there yeah that's great that's great advice thank you again that is the type of business that could work really well like i think i explained on some podcast where you know uh, coaching people say how much should i charge as a coach charge whatever you want. And the question is, will people pay? So maybe if you charge a million dollars a year, maybe if you charge a, a $10,000 a year, a hundred people will pay. But maybe if you charge a million dollars a year, uh, one people, one person will pay. So now you're making the same amount of money, but you're doing 1% of the work. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, and it really is true that if you if you tell everyone you charge a million and you know here's what you do okay most people are going to say no but one person will say yes of course you know you have to be talking to super wealthy people for them to say yes they have to be worth a, a billion at least to, to pay a million a year for a coach but a million a year for a coach is not much for a billionaire no the, and and you'd be you could get a lot for 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 that you know you could you could get a really great coach for a million dollars a year and I know people doing it. Like there are people who are coaches for a million a year. I have to say Airbnb has changed my life. I just love staying in Airbnbs. Like in about a month, I'm going to Cocoa Beach, which is right next to Cape Canaveral. I'm going to watch some rocket launches. I'm going to, of course, be staying in a very nice Airbnb on the beach. And it's just such a great experience. Like the whole world is available to us now because of Airbnb. But whenever I'm at an Airbnb, I always realize, you know, I the home that I left to come to this Airbnb, I could be making money on that right now by hosting and and being an Airbnb myself. So, and I've known people, I had a friend who basically, you know, made a living from turning his home into an Airbnb. So if you have a home, but you're not always at home, you do have an Airbnb there. And it's an e it can easily fit into your lifestyle and it's a great way to earn some money. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The famous Abraham Lincoln quote says, good things come to those who wait. I wonder, did he really say that? Jay, did he really say that? Can you look that up? Regardless of who said it, that's only part of the quote. The full quote is, good things come to those who wait, but only the things left by those who hustle. Well, if you're a business owner and want the best people on your team, the same applies. And listen, I've interviewed 1,500 people now and a lot of entrepreneurs. I can safely say the one thing consistent among all entrepreneurs and CEOs, the, the successful ones, is that it's all about the people you surround yourself. You, if you hire well, you're going to have a great business. And 
you know, thankfully, ZipRecruiter puts the hustle in your hiring. So you find qualified candidates fast. This is so important, and I, I want you to try it. You could try it as a potential employer or employee. You could try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter's smart technology finds top talent for your roles right away. Immediately after you post your job, if you're hiring, ZipRecruiter's matching technology starts showing you qualified people for it. And I will tell you that I signed up on ZipRecruiter as a potential employee. You know, I just wanted to see how it works. And right away, it started matching me with really amazing potential employers. So give it a try at ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Let ZipRecruiter give you the hiring hustle you need. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash James to try it for free. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Canva presents unexplained appearances. It was an ordinary workday until... That presentation appeared out of thin air. Also, it's eerily on brand. Wait, did that agenda just write itself? Words appear, making this unexplainable case... Unexplainable? It's Canva's AI tools. I can generate slides and words in seconds. Really? The real mystery is why I'm only learning this now. Canva.com. Designed for work. All right, what's another thing? You're, what's what's another thing? And you're, it's great that you're doing the 10 ideas a day. I assume you, you're keeping in shape. Your wife and you are getting along. I, I know from our prior talks that you have a spiritual practice that that keeps you, you know, motivated and 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 positive and and moving forward and not, you know, filled with regret. So you're doing the daily practice. You've got good ideas. Sometimes just ideas need tweaking just because you haven't done it before. So it's good to know from someone who's who's done it before. Yeah. Yeah. And so the third thing that I've been spending a ton of time on. Um, I don't think when we talked last, it had launched yet was my podcast, which is just sort of another spoke in the James Quandall personal brand wheel. And I've got eight episodes released now and, uh, I love it. Like it is so much fun and I'm getting tremendous feedback from the guests that, uh, they like my interviewee style. They like the questions. They like, like how that's being done. And then I'm also getting great feedback from the listeners that they're learning a lot and, uh, to keep going. So it's, it's extremely encouraging. And, 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 and so with the podcast, I think the important thing is that you're enjoying it. Obviously it's very hard to make money with a podcast, but podcast is a great spoke in the spoken wheel approach because it allows different people to access who you are, what you're about, your, your views on things before they decide, for instance, they want to hire you for to be their Amazon seller vendor or, or their coach or whatever, uh, or a book by you or whatever. So like the podcast for, for me, whatever dollar I make, I usually pour it back into making the podcast better. Like the podcast was, is never really intended for me to make a lot of money, but it's a great way to build audience and to communicate with that audience. And also if you have something interesting to say, it's a great way to say it. I think people listen more than they read these days. And this is not about saying anything about people, but just, I don't know. I, I, I probably listen to things more than read these days. And I, I was a, a huge reader for, for my whole life. And now I'm more of a podcast listener and a YouTube watcher. Yeah. And I am trying to build like sort of this, it's the content that I'm creating is evolving as I have more pieces of content. I'm learning more what gives me joy and then what seems to be helping people the most And what I found to be an opportunity that I have a strength in and I'm kind of gearing the writing and the podcast and the books that I'm reading and the people that I'm bringing on into this space. We talked about it briefly before. It's the um, life balance. So my podcast and the writing and this whole brand here, we kind of were calling it Christian thought, but that's just one part of it of total life balance. And I use that Zig Ziglar's wheel of life with the seven different spokes on it. And if you find balance in all of these seven spokes, even if that's not, you're not doing great in any of them, you're going to have a pretty good life. And I keep bringing people on in these different categories of the buckets to educate, to teach how to excel in these seven buckets. And um, I actually just wrote up 
um, a whole like seven week course, the outline for teaching kind of the, the big, the basics of each of these buckets and how to put it all together and how to, um, actually build a process to set goals within each of these buckets and to follow up on those goals and to schedule this and how to have the motivation and the habits and all of that to really create a balanced life. Because, uh, I, I've worked really hard to figure it out myself. And, yeah, and, uh, <laughs> and uh, is in the description of the podcast is Zig Ziglar mentioned? No, the just no. The description's really bad. <laughs> I wonder if you should put Zig Ziglar in the description so people can find it through. If you Google Zig Ziglar, they find your podcast. Yeah, yeah, it could be something like teaching you how to achieve a balanced life using Zig Ziglar's seven spokes on his wheel of life, or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and then I'd get some testimonials, uh, or some reviews in the description if you can fit it. Uh, uh, so that sounds great. And, uh, again, it's hard to make money on a podcast, but it is good to make revenues with a podcast because when people like ads are annoying, true, but when people see an ad on a podcast, they think to themselves, okay, this is a good enough podcast that people want to advertise on it. It's a professional podcast. So it's not just like a hobby. And, you know, I think it's good to get to that point. Yeah, I think I can quickly get there, even though my downloads aren't like industry standards because of the relationships I've built in my consulting business with the Amazon agency and everything else I've done. I have relationships with people who have businesses that understand what it's like to be on the ground floor of something that is continuing to grow and they understand my passion and that when I commit to something, I just, I'm all in. I mean, I, I committed to doing a hundred episodes of this. And before I even think about like how well it's doing, I need to get a hundred yeah. episodes in. I, so. I agree. In fact, why don't you even do just free ads for some of your Amazon seller clients? It's an extra service you offer the sellers and then you could directly experiment. Oh, okay. With this number of downloads, my Amazon seller clients achieved X number of additional revenues. That's a great idea. I love that. Yeah, I I started experimenting with mid rolls, like asking for reviews and just to kind of get that. Just it's a skill. It's like you know being concise in thirty or forty five seconds and 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 having it sound you know like you're you're not a salesman. You know I don't know. So I, it it's it's really I'm having a lot of fun with it. And actually, we were talking about a contest and. That's what I'm going to do is actually I, I asked the friends of the companies that I work with if they wanted to be a part of like a contest to help promote my show. And they've all been sending me boxes of product for me to then go and give away to people that are listening. Yeah. Okay. So, so this is great. So, uh, and then like, I, like, you know, it's, again, it's part of the spoken wheel. Like, like we figured out how you could advertise your sellers and maybe contribute to that business. Who knows? Maybe contribute. You could have some of your um, retreat uh, client. Uh, you know, the people who go to the retreat. You could put them on the podcast or put or or put part of the retreat on the podcast. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so so it's good to kind of like mix and match some of these things. What's the next thing on your list? Okay, so there's the fourth thing. Yeah, and then we can go as deep as you want in any of these because I'm working on all of them. I love all of these and I'm working on all of them extremely, uh, uh, gazelle like that's great. And I, and I want to point out like a lot of times, uh, I'll say to someone, Hey, you should do X, Y, and Z. And they're like, Oh, I'm too busy with school or I'm too busy, you know, with whatever every, and this is going to sound maybe annoying. Everyone's got more time. <laughs> like no matter what you could just not watch two hours of TV at night. Like, like for instance, if I needed more time, I watched two hours of TV at night. I could not do that or I could not do playing chess online or I could not do, you know, writing another book. I could do, you know, uh, start a business instead. So there's always ways to find more time in American society. We're not, we're not struggling for our basic needs. Those are taken care of. So there's always more time to do things somewhere. You could find the time. Yeah. And so it's great. Uh, you're doing four things. The, um, I'm watching Downtown Abbey right now, and I'm playing chess like you. And I just finished a, a awesome book uh, by Bo Eason. And um, which book? It's uh, it's it's about having an A plan. There's no what's the name? What's the title of it? There's no Bo. 
A-list. This book was fantastic, and I'll tell you what I liked about it. The, I'm really bad at titles. I spend, I just rip open the book and start reading. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm the same way, and sometimes it's hard to remember. Uh, <laughs> there's no, in- there's no plan B for your A game, and his philosophy in there is pick something you want to be the best in the world at. Understanding it's going to take you 20 years to get there, and it's going to take multiple instances of 66 days of micro skills that you're working on over that 20 year plan. And when you're done with that 66 day period, you know, the next thing you can, that you need to work on intrinsically, you don't have to map it all out over the whole 20 year plan. What you should map out throughout the 20 year plan is championships. So goals where you'll then be able to test everything you've been learning and that you've been trying. But what's really interesting about his book, coupling it with the James Altucher 10 ideas a day is okay, thinking about how to be the best podcaster in the world and what you'd have to do to achieve that is so much different than just saying, how do I start a podcast or how do I make a podcast or how do I be a good podcaster? If you want to be the best podcaster in the world, well, you might have to move. You might have to set up a studio. You might need professional equipment and staff. And you start, like I started thinking completely different when I'm thinking, how do I be the best Amazon agency in the world and and doing all these different things and uh, it's just a really cool way to think because being the best is completely different than just being good at something. You just have to completely think of it differently. Yeah, like, and and skip the line. I focus on not being the best in the world, but being in the top 1%, which is a lot easier. Like, like it still makes you great and good enough to monetize, but it doesn't require the 20 years. So think about like chess, for instance. On chess.com, 70 million people have signed up. To be in the top 1%, you need to be in the top 700,000. And that's very difficult. Not many people, only 700,000 and 70 million people are there. But at that level, you could you could be a Twitch streamer. You could be a commentator. There's lots of ways to make money. If, you, if you're in the top 1% of any field, I'm convinced you can monetize it. And skip the line is about going from zero, you know, zero ability to the top 1% very quickly. But to be the top in the, the, top in the world, you probably do need... 20 years studying the micro skills because uh, there's only one top of the world. Yeah. And my issue is always my interests and my hobbies and my passions. I have so many that I don't want to spend 20 years working on chess. Well, I will. I'm going to. But I also want to learn to fly planes and play tennis and play the piano and and all these other things. And so what I so what I like about Skip the Line is borrowing hours and borrowing time and borrowing how to learn and finding out how the skills intersect with each other to not need 20 years to be, yeah, like you said, really good or top 1%. And I like, I've found out, I found out how to learn now. Like if I, once I'm ready to go learn a new skill, I know exactly like what it's going to take to do that. And I just basically go do it. Yeah. And and the great thing is, is that you, if you're in the top 1% of two or three things, the intersection, you probably are number one in the world. So, so you know, we had on the podcast, Chris Tucker, yeah, the combination, if you Google him on YouTube, he is an amazing comedic rapper. He's number one in the world for comedy rapping and, uh, or, or at least top five in the world for that. And intersections, people, you got to respect the intersection. People always forget about that. But, um, and he did it fast. That was the other thing. He didn't, it didn't take him forever to get right. there. Well, that's the skip the line thing is because it's, it doesn't take you 20 years to be in the top 1%. It takes you a year of good, hard, solid work to get in the top 1% of any field really to be the best in the world in an intersection might take you a year and a half of work, two years. So tell me more. So about the book or about the, the, the fourth thing, the fourth thing. Okay, because the last thing I want to tell you about that book was he talked about distractions and we were kind of talking about television and time. And I wrote down everything that I do that distracts me. And I have hours and hours more time per day than I'm using efficiently. I just I do. And yeah, which is what we just talked about. Yeah. (laughs) And I am still working on all these different things. And the last thing is sort of a business that I was doing in 2016, 17 and part of 18 and then, she's uh, maybe longer than that. And then I sort of retired it as the Amazon business started growing. And it was, I think I told you uh, a while ago that I was the book launch manager 
for Ben Greenfield's Christian Gratitude Journal and his best-selling health and wellness book, Boundless. Mm -hmm. And so I'm an expert at launching books. Boundless was launched with a traditional publisher, Victory Belt, and the Christian Gratitude Journal was self-published. We did it ourselves. So I have skills in both of those. My wife is helping me revive that business and we're in process of launching his next book, which will come out in December. She's documenting all, like that's one thing she's much, much better at than me is organization. She's documenting all the steps of what she's having to do to bring this thing to life. All the detail. That was something I I just really enjoy doing and we're feeling it out and and, and seeing as far as a long-term, a, I always think agencies for some reason, but it's another service type business that we can find other authors and help them launch their books because it's complicated. It's not easy. If you're an author and you just want to write and then have someone else publish it using your audience to get the word out, that's what we're really good at. Yeah, this is sort of like uh, Tucker Max's business, Scribe, a little bit. Yeah. How, and, how would and, you describe the difference? Uh, well, she's actually going through a lot of the resources that are on that website and learning from them. And I'm not exactly sure how much more different we are um, because I, 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 we're still trying to really figure it out. Well, you know, what one one interesting thing about people who are just starting up a business, like, and it's just you and your wife right now, is that you could take on smaller cl- and cheaper clients. Yeah, so that's you, true. You, know, you could hit that niche because because Tucker's because Scribe, which is Tucker's business, is now you know really there's a lot of employees. They've they've got to have uh, you know they've got to have. I don't want to say they have expensive, the the clients spend a lot of money, but it's a different category now than when he first started. So it's always good as, as we learned from Jim McKelvey, who's the co-founder of square, it's always good to hit the bottom third of a market. Like that's a market that not a lot of people go to, and you might be hitting the bottom third of the publishing market. Yeah. And we're also able to try new things. Like we're going to try to do an NFT during the launch. Like, so part of what we did was uh, design the cover. So we worked with 99designs and we designed a cover of the book. And so we have a bunch of different versions and some of them are really interesting. And we're thinking of trying to do an NFT. So we're just we're just able to try and learn new things and try different things and really be on the cutting edge of a book launch. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, you know, like with, with picking a cover, that's usually a big challenge. Picking a cover and picking a title is usually a big challenge for authors and publishing companies. Make Facebook ads out of the covers and see which cover gets the most clicks. So yeah. I don't know of any publishing company doing that right now, and you could be the one doing that. So, you know, everything you do that's a little bit different is another testimonial from people. So that, that business could build. And you're right. Everybody, there's a lot of content on, about this, and Tucker's written a lot about it. I've written a lot about it. There's a lot of reasons someone should write their story in a book, but they might not be writers. And if you could help with, or they might be, not understand the publishing business. So if you could help with any of these parts of it, then that's a huge win for people, particularly if you're not so expensive. Yeah. And I think that's what we're learning with this one since she's documenting it. And basically I'm teaching her how to do it. And then she's doing it is we'll see which parts of the process are our strengths or what we have the most joy in or or what's the, what moves the needle the most. And maybe like what I've noticed is sometimes it's just like, okay, getting the book, there's plenty of people that help you to actually collate the book and get it printed. But how many people are out there actually helping you create a really good launch social media strategy, for instance, like, like yeah. what posts you should put out on Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn and how to like really engage your audience or what emails should you send to your email list? Like all of that, like that's part of what we do with this and figuring out like what's really specific and what people really need help with. Yeah, no, I, I love it. I think this is a great idea. I think there's a lot of clients for it. Uh, I think you're competing against Tucker, so you have to figure out what makes you unique and distinguish. And it doesn't mean better, but unique. Like better to be unique than better in many cases. Yeah, yeah, and go after people he isn't based on just his way he's set up, not able to help. There's, right, you know, there's lots of people that need help. Right, a lot of people need help, and a lot of people have a lot of content. For instance, I've done like over a thousand interviews on this podcast. All that, co- all those interviews is our content. Yeah. What would you do if someone came to you and said, Hey, I'm going to take all of your podcast interviews and I'm going to find the nuggets in all of them. And I'm going to set them up in different sections. 
and I'm going to sort of do like a tribe of mentors type book for you. I just want half of like whatever you make for it. I'll do everything else. I mean, I feel like people would do that. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I think that's actually a good business. You could approach podcasts. Yeah. I, I, I mean, what we've been doing, like we did, we did this with uh, Think Like a Billionaire. We took our, my interviews with billionaires and edited the transcripts and I wrote intros and outros and we turned it into a book. So we're going to be doing that with other uh, book ideas as well. And I think, uh, if um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Brian Keating is doing something similar with a book that might be coming out next month with think, uh, think like Nobel a Nobel Prize, Prize winner. Winners. I, yeah. I, wrote, I wrote the forward. And so. so that was basically the similar concept, right? Interviews and conversations like repurposed into a book or how is, how, how is that one set up? It's similar. Yeah. Similar to think like a billionaire. Yeah. So, he, he, I think he, Jay, did he come up with the idea while on the podcast or did he just tell me that? Yeah. I forget. I think he, I think he came up with the idea and then, and then he talked to you uh, about it on the podcast. Yeah. And then you guys brainstorm and make it a better idea. So those are the four uh, kind of, spots that i'm spending my most time and all of them are have room for improvement and optimization and 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 work but the the one the so so i would say in order the ones that are going to get you to a million the quickest are and and i think you probably know well if you were to tell me the order what what do you think the order would be uh amazon the retreat uh the book launch and then the teaching others to achieve life balance i would say um amazon the, the book publishing business, because that you could quickly get clients and there's a, a definite need for it. Uh, the retreat, I think you have to really think about how you're going to make money. I think it's not back completely to the drawing board. It's just think about what you're doing, how you're going to, you personally are going to really make money. And for me and my, my niche, and you, you caught me on that one. Cause my initial intention was I didn't even care if I made money. I just wanted to create the experience and then learn from it. And so that was sort of my goal. And that's a reasonable goal, by the way. Uh, it's just going to be a lot of grunt work too, setting up a retreat. It's more work than you might think. But but let's see. Let's see what happens. And then, because uh, you can always do it again, but just don't lose money on this. And, uh, uh, but I think that the, you know, you have, you have defined a defined business, defined clients for the Amazon seller business and the book publishing business. You just need to figure out, you know, what's your unique advantage, your unfair advantage, so to speak and how to scale it and so on. And then the others are still in formation mode, but you love doing them. So it's worth pursuing and you have the time to do them. And look, we talked a lot about the Amazon seller one. I think going to this convention and focusing on sales while your wife focuses on execution is key. And I think also see how fast, like when you go to this convention, start thinking quadrupling, you need 20 clients now get 20 clients and I would raise prices a little bit too. By when 20 clients by like, what kind of goal would you set? Well, it's hard to set a goal because you don't know you could miss the goal and you could feel disappointed, but so you have to enjoy the, the journey as well and make sure you're learning from the journey. But I would get, I would come home from this convention with, with at least 10 clients. Okay. And try charging more experiment with pricing. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. So I've, tr I've tried a few different models of pricing in over the years now, and I'm starting to find one that I like the most. And uh, I've basically experimented with three different price models so far. What are the price models? Price model one, when I was starting, was just an hourly rate. Here, here's what my it costs for my time. And here, here's what I'm going to do. I like that one the least, obviously. Right. For, That's horrible. For, for many reasons. Version number two was a, a set monthly retainer with a percentage of gross sales. And it was a very small percentage of gross sales. It's hard because you have to trust them on gross. Oh no, but you know what the sales are because you're there, but okay. Yeah. And okay. then the third option now, that one was okay. Um, mm -hmm. The option that I'm doing now with the, the most recent client is it's a, uh, whichever is greater. It's a, it's a dollar amount per month or a per, of a percentage of sales, whichever was greater. And so that way it kind of grows. So it can, I can work with a smaller client and then as they grow, uh, that retainer goes away and it's just a percentage of sales. So if, if, if they're hugely successful, then that just retainer just goes away. Yeah. I like it. I like, I like both those last two. So, um, but now the key is just 
mess, like getting clients and getting revenues. You want to, you want to get a, your, your first short-term goal is getting up to a million revenues a year. Then you're a business, 2 million revenues a year. I think you could sell the business. So, uh, I think that will be the, the, the fastest route to a million. And then again, get that book publishing one, get some clients up, do it, do more than Ben Greenfield, find, find at least one other, Hey, take your first six episodes, eight, your first eight episodes of your podcast and turn that into a book. And then you're your second client. I have, because folks know that I've done this for, for Ben, I have lots of people who want me to do this for them and I just haven't done it. So yeah. So I would call at least two of them and get your three clients on that one. So now it's a business and then you're off to the races because then you can get testimonials. You can set up a website uh, people Google, how do I publish a book? They'll find your website and, and so on. And do you think that this, this contract, we, we briefly talked about it, the contract for like agency, I've sort of always had this like, oh, it's at will, like you guys let me go. I let you go if there's ever anything not working. But you mentioned like having a time commitment helps with, with, yeah, uh, with valuation, you know what? I wouldn't worry. Uh, and to be honest with my first business, I didn't really have contracts, but the, the acquirer saw that, oh, these are long-term clients because they've been with James for years. And I committed when, when you sell an agency, it's not like selling a product is you're going to have to stay with the company that buys your business. You'll it's like, let's say you get paid $10 million for your business. I'm just making up a number. 5 million might be upfront. 5 million will be over three years. So you stay with the business and it's, it's, it's spread out over time. So that's called an earnout. And with an agency business, you're more likely to get an earnout than other types of businesses because they want to make sure the clients stay with you. And do you stay involved with the, the sales calls and, and yeah. retention calls and all that at that point? Yeah, everything, unless you want to give up your earnout, but, uh, yeah, you, you're still basically running your business while it integrates with the business that acquires you. And if you love it, like if like, I like doing this, so why, you know, it would be easy to continue to do that if, yeah, and, and teach also, someone. I love to teach. That's my favorite thing to do. So teaching someone else how to do what I've been successful at, that's like my dream. Yeah. And, and also, you know, there's lots of opportunities when you're under a bigger umbrella, maybe there's other ways you could scale. Like for instance, you could set up a, Hey, here's a course on how to set up your own, set up an Amazon seller agency. So that could be a product that the company that acquires you can offer. So like, it's easier to experiment with things and, and start new product lines. Uh, you know, you get a, a salary, even though they paid money for your company, you also get a salary. Uh, and usually sometimes earnouts are structured so that you can make much more than the acquisition price. If your company does, if your if your division of the larger company does well. Yeah. And it makes sense because it makes sense that someone would be interested if I could turn this into a business that a company would be interested because my clients are smaller businesses and they're begging me for referrals to other people that do graphic design or email marketing or e-commerce or Facebook ads. Because when you find someone who you trust and who does good work for you, you want them to refer you to other people, but it's very hard to find skilled people in all these domains. It's, it's very hard to vet them and find people who will be reliable and who will stick with you and will stick to their promises. So as part of a bigger entity, I could offer all those services or they could offer all those services. So. Absolutely. So, but the key is having something to sell. So that means you have to prove that this is a viable growing business. That's why you need at least 20 clients, probably 2 million in annual revenues or more, but we'll see, we'll, we'll figure it out. But the first step is go to that convention, bring home 10 clients. Now you might not succeed at that, but you'll learn if you don't succeed from it and, you know, enjoy the process. Well, and I'm uncomfortable with the prospect of it. So I know I'll grow there. Like I know yeah. I will. <laughs> well, you can, because don't forget, it's not just your, your, here's what I would delegate to your wife is figuring out how to outsource once it gets too much for her. Yeah. And she, what, what she did until two weeks ago was lead a team of hundred people herself. So she yeah, so is she a manager also. She's That's a manager. perfect. You should have done this a long time ago with her. I know we're, we, uh, we were, we were scared, I think. Yeah. Well, I would be scared too. You could get divorced that way. <laughs> I think we are uh, scared of like putting all of our eggs on our own back. Right. It's, there's this like safety net when you work, it's completely fake. It's not real, but when you but, work for someone else, you feel safer at night. 
to to grow to to quote the great Bowie said, uh, "There's no plan B for your A game." So, so that's uh, that's what you've got to focus on here. You, the best testimony you could have is people see that you're trusting your own business with publishing your own book. Yeah, if I don't have my own book, I'm a book launcher. Then I, you know, <laughs> yeah, and and name all these businesses as well. Name them as their own independent businesses. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right, James. Uh, I will talk to you in a month. And uh, thanks for coming on the James Altucher Show once again. The the Make You a Millionaire series. It's an honor. Thank you so much, James and Jay. I love it. This is so. I'm so excited. And and James, thanks for playing those Ultra Bullet games. Thirty seconds each on chess before we start the podcast. Look for those on TikTok. And I and I and just so you know, I won one. <laughs> you won one. That was. Uh, I had six seconds left, and uh, no, no, you had six seconds left, and I ran out of time. Cheers to a great day and this ice-cold Corona. You know what would make this day even better? My grandma's carne asada. Or your grandma here with us, making carne asada. She does love a cold Corona. Throw in some dancing. Oh, we can watch the game. I'll drink to that. So a backyard concert with football, food, dancing, and Corona? And your grandma. Or we could keep it simple. Simple is good. Want a Corona? Thanks. Salud to the perfect day. Corona. La vida más fina. Get your Corona at ordercorona.com. Relax responsibly. Corona extra beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois.